0: Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of pewterreport.com. It is a Thursday edition of the show, our last one before the Bucs head on over to big old Texas, Houston specifically, and take on the Houston Texans in a very important matchup for your Buccaneers in a game. Where they are facing their first rookie quarterback of the season. And then, oddly and funny enough, they play against a, uh, another quarterback the week after. If Will Levis is still the guy for the Titans, we'll find out a little bit more after tonight's game. But nonetheless, very important for the Bucs. And can they take advantage of playing against a rookie quarterback? I'm your host, Matt Matera. Join with me is my fellow colleague from PeterReport.com. That was. At the Bucks facility with me today, it is Adam, the Sly Guy, Slavon. Adam, thank you
1: for joining me. What's going on? It's a pleasure to be on. Uh, doing well and excited to get into uh, a Thursday edition of the show with you. Yeah, should be
0: fun. Uh, want to also say hello to all the people in the chat uh, as you guys start filtering in as well. Sometimes the YouTube, it takes a couple of seconds for for everyone to get in. So we'll get to a lot of people's comments today. And of course, if you super chat us, we'll get to your question, comment, concern immediately. Cause super chats get to cut the line, but it was a very, very busy day today at the box facility. We spoke to offensive coordinator, Dave Canales, um, chatted with Tristan Wirfs as well. And Levante and Jamel Dean for a little bit, and really got some good stuff from Casey Rogers. I know the defense yeah. has been the strong suit, the, uh, Casey Rogers, of course, is the co-defensive coordinator of the Buccaneers. And, you know, the defense has definitely been the, the strong suit of the Bucs this season. But they're not without their flaws, of course. So uh, let's let's start with the defensive side of the football. Just in terms of um, going up against C.J. Stroud. I think this is a very interesting, interesting matchup. We talked a little bit yesterday, Adam, about the lack of turnovers that C.J. Stroud has committed. Just one interception on the game and while we do think that there is a, an advantage of the box particularly honing in on the center and going right up the middle Stratt has used his legs in a way where he's not scrambling for a crazy amount yeah. of yards i think the most rushing yards he has on the season is 20 which isn't really that much comp- comparison to his mobility but he's avoiding sacks he's avoiding dumb mistakes and that's why the Texans are a comp- competitive team week in and week out. You could say all you want about them losing to the Panthers
1: uh, last Sunday.
0: But uh, it, this team is not a pushover by any
1: means. No, they're not. And in a way, with, with CJ Stroud, he's kind of helping spark a Texans turnaround for really the first time since the Deshaun Watson days. Yeah. I'm um, Right now, sitting at three and four, they're very much on their way to being a near 500 or 500 team. And credit should be given to C.J. Stroud for that. I think Dave Canales, he kind of said it best today when he was talking about C.J. Stroud. He's a disciplined guy who's playing smart football. And I I think that's been huge for the Texans this year. As well, he's not being, he's not the most efficient. Uh, He only has a 60.3% completion percentage. When he is making completions, he's making big plays, whether that's to Nico Collins or Tank Dell, kind of get into those guys a little bit. But with CJ Stroud, he's been very impressive as a rookie quarterback, and he doesn't really look like that. I think that was a big thing uh, Levante David said today yeah, with his maturity in terms of being able to go through his reads, his progressions, while also being poised in the pocket. It's kind of reminiscent of Brock Purdy last year when he really stepped on the scene. And looking at this Texans team, and especially the offense, they're kind of like the 49ers light in a way with D'Amico Ryans as a head coach, Bobby Slowick as the offensive coordinator. The Bucks are getting ready to face the 49ers in a couple of weeks, and this will be a great kind of test for them.
0: And that's a scary thing for Tampa Bay because facing a rookie quarterback, I think the early years of the Todd Bowles defensive play calling regime, 2019, 2020, even 2021, they've done fairly well against rookie quarterbacks and made rookie quarterbacks look like rookies. But then something happened along the way where maybe it wasn't necessarily rookie quarterbacks, but pedestrian quarterbacks, such as Trevor Simeon, Taylor Heineke, who's now in the division. They've made pedestrian quarterbacks look good, (laughs) like pro bowl quarterbacks. And then, so the the reason why I say that is because of um, the whole Brock Purdy and the 49ers thing, because, Last year, they got absolutely smoked by the 49ers and Brock Purdy. And that was before Brock Purdy became the, the guy that everyone... That was his
1: first start.
0: Yeah, exactly. So this is scary that you have a Houston Texans team that has the 49er background and familiarity on both sides of the football that flat out kicked the Bucks' asses last season. And, sure, different team, different talent. And then the thing with um, with Stroud is you said it before, poised in the pocket. A- another word I would use that start with this, with a P is he looks very polished. He looks polished yeah. a quarterback who is so so young in his career. And again, you know it could be Stroud versus. Um, oh my god, why am I blanking on him? Um, the the Panthers quarterback,
2: Bryce, Bryce
0: Young. Bryce Young. It yeah. could be Stroud versus Bryce Young. It could be Stroud versus. Levis, who's only had one start, and Levis looked really good. Right, Draft would be the top quarterback that you would take if you were redrafting that uh that rookie quarterback class, which is which is crazy to see. And then on top of that, those weapons, Adam, um, you had a little research on them. Nico Collins, 577 receiving yards on the season, but the way he's getting those receiving yards, I think, is uh is really crucial for this game.
1: Yeah, definitely. So when looking at Nico Collins. Already seven games into the season, he has a career high in receiving yards. Uh, Much of that is owed to two big games that he had earlier this season, performances in which he had one hundred and forty-six receiving yards and one hundred and sixty-eight receiving yards. Yeah, and much of his ability to make plays—he's had thirteen plays this season of over twenty yards or more—is owed to his yards after catch ability. Two hundred and fifty-six yards, or nearly half of his production, has come after the catch. So when you talk about stopping the six, four wide receiver from when he's in space, he's really hard to stop. And yeah. he's really been a breakout player this year for the Texans. Uh, Tyler Dunn, friend of the program. He twice. recently had an article. <laughs> yeah. It's twice. He recently had an article mentioning with Nico Collins, a star has been born. And in a lot of ways, I know you and Scott mentioned it yesterday. He kind of is like their own Mike Evans in a way, just being that big wide receiver, who's long and physical and he can make plays, whether that's physical contested catches or using his speed and just getting open. So he's a lot to handle. And then another guy tank Dell. Mm-hmm. I mean, who's going to the- have more playing time this
0: week as well with uh, Robert Woods out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. But with tank Dell, he's 58 165 kind of like their own Devin Tompkins. And what I imagined was going to be kind of the way the Bucs would use Devin Tompkins. He's their gadget guy. And just his ability, with C.J. Stroud, he's kind of getting in tune with him. And he's from Houston, played with Clayton Tune, but yeah. he's making his name known now in the NFL. And he's kind of like their own Debo Samuel. Casey Rogers said it today. And just the way that they utilize him on jet sweeps and tosses, mm-hmm. he's just re- another weapon that the Bucks have to consider. And one of the issues for the Bucks
0: defense as of late, it was a big issue last year. They cleaned it up at the beginning of the season, but it's kind of came back a little bit. Is their open field tackling? I mean, there have been times whether it's Christian isian who overall has done really well for this team. Even Carlton Davis to a degree. There have been times since the buy. I, I kind of look at the Bucks in two different ways, like before the buy and post buy and yeah. post buy. I mean, there have been plays where receivers or running backs catch the ball for two or three yards and turn it into 10 to 15 yards based on getting up the field, the yak, and being able to break tackles. So you just talked about two guys in particular that could really cause a lot of frustration for the Bucs in terms of open field tackling. Uh, We're going to get to... Bucks basement super chat uh, in just a moment but you did mention Casey Rogers talking about this 49 this 49ers this Texans offense that looks like the 49ers yeah let's hear what the co DC had to say about it
1: can you say about some of the weapons he has to throw to such as Nico Collins who is really having a breakout year and Tank Dell who's kind of like Devin Tompkins like their own version
3: no question well what we look at them and we have to look at the similarities. We look at us playing San Francisco last year because a lot of the scheme is the same carry-on. We we're looking at them using Dale like they're. Uh, Debo, sort of, sort of speak the way they use him on the jet sweep. He comes in, he could be at the backfield, he could take a toss, and then, uh, Collins, he's just really, really come on. He's like, they're IU, the way they utilize him in the thing, but he is really making big plays and stretching people down the field, and he's long, you know, so short corners, got, fortunately we have long corners, but, he is, he is really stepping up, but that's kind of going along to what we are saying, All the weapons and the way they're utilizing them there. You can see their team. Everybody has a role and everybody's executing their role. Number three is their gadget guy. He's their reverse guy. He's jet sweep. He could be anywhere. He could be a bad matchup. So here lies our problem. When he's in the backfield, who's covering him? Is he on the linebacker or he's on the DB? You really want him on the DB, but now you're getting your run that's screwed up. They have a unique scheme and the thing you like about more appreciate what What they do is the way they are utilizing their pieces.
0: Got a great comment from our pal Kyle Dugan, who says, it's rare to have a stacked quarterback class. 84, 04, and 2020 are a few that come to mind. Usually there's only one guy. Not ready to put him in the Hall of Fame yet, but C.J. Stroud was that guy. Yeah, the 84 class, I believe, off the top of my head, was Jim Kelly, Dan Marino, who never won a Super Bowl. And um, neither (laughs) did Jim Kelly, but at least he went four times. And uh, John Elway, oh four, I believe was Eli Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, and um, Philip Rivers. So I I think that's a good point by Kyle that a lot of the times, I mean, you can go back to a couple years ago with the Baker, and well, Baker didn't totally
1: pan out, but uh, Josh Allen, Josh Allen, and Mahomes, Mahomes is in that too, right? I want to say or he might have been 17 okay. year prior either way uh, but yeah
0: yeah either way good point uh
1: by and Dudes, just looking ahead there, next yeah. year you might mm-hmm. be in the same conversation with the uh, the 2023 group of quarterbacks headlined by caleb williams so yeah Dugan said he meant uh 83
0: either way yeah we got the point uh bucks basement thank you for the 499 super chat you the best Bucks basement says Canales should focus on making third downs manageable instead of working on their own tush push with a dollar store version of Jason Kelsey in Hainsey. Yeah, that was uh, that was kind of funny today. I mean, Canales got asked about the tush push, which we hadn't asked him yet because they're not playing the Eagles anymore. We asked Todd Bowles about it and Larry foot, but, uh, Anyway, he got asked about it. And he's like, yeah, we're working on it in practice, which I thought was quite interesting. Cause my initial thought was, well, Baker's kind of banged up. Do you really want him <laughs> doing the, uh, the tush push? And then secondly, I was thinking who's going to be the one pushing Baker because the Eagles, I think use a couple of running backs. They're not going to yeah. use like an extra tight end. Cause you're going to have Otten on one side and Coke. keep So like how much more of a push are you going to get with uh, like Rashad White and Keyshawn Vaughn pushing? Because the big thing why the tush push works for the Eagles is because Jalen Hurts can squat like six hundred twenty-five pounds or whatever it is, and it's no knock on Baker. It's just you see why other teams struggle around the league with it.
1: But uh, yeah, yeah, I unless, don't know. We'll
0: see. We'll see if the Bucks implement it this week.
1: Unless they have a guy like Vita Vea coming out on the field to get a snap or two, but at that point, it's like. The plan's kind of foiled, and you're kind of playing your hand here. When if Vita Vea came out and tried to push Baker, they kind of know it'd be the tush push, but
0: yeah, Zachary Jarvis says, <laughs> Let Vita Vea push. Yeah, I missed what Vita Vea would line up at goal line. Uh, we were actually talking about that earlier today. Obviously, he had the infamous touchdown in 2019 against the Falcons. I was at that game, and he lined up in goal line at other times too, um, in the Super Bowl as well. So I doubt they'll get back to that, especially since Vita's been on the injury report and obviously missed last Thursday's game. But the good news is Vita Veya is is back on the men's. It looks like he's going to play this week. He's practiced um, every single day. And I'm curious what you think about the pass rush, Adam, because there's two ways to look at it. And, you know, we put some stuff on our social media, and I appreciate the, the feedback that we get and the comments from the fans as well, because Vita yeah. currently leads the team in sacks with three and a half let's remember he led the team last season for the whole year um in sacks so is it one of those things where vita is just being the game disruptor that we've kind of come to know about him or are we not seeing enough um opportunities by the outside linebackers in terms of they're not getting the job done well how how do you see and what are your thoughts on the pass rush as a whole for the bucks
1: Yeah, so that's a great question. And when looking at Vita Vea, he leads the team in sacks, and he didn't play last week. So everyone (laughs) else has had another game to maybe take the lead, and they haven't. Uh, Joe Tryon Shoenka, he has three sacks, two of which came against the Bears. But otherwise, at times, again, he looks invisible out there. And then Shaq Barrett, he had the pick six against the Bears. Uh, He had the strip sack against Desmond Ritter. Otherwise, he's not really been much of a factor as well so i think when you look at the bucks pass pass rush it's really vita vea being the disruptor up the middle and then a whole other a whole bunch of other guys chipping in rarely like on occasion and uh casey rogers today he was asked about yaya diaby yeah yeah and how he's been progressing he's looked really really good the past couple of games uh recovering his first fumble getting his first sack kind of want to see him play more. Maybe start taking snaps away from Joe Tryon And Anthony Nelson looks good when he's out there, but he's been a rotational guy. So with the Bucks pass rush, either JTS or Shaq needs to step up, or they need to look into playing the other guys just a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I, I think with Yaya, you mentioned the plays that he's made. It's good that he's making the splash plays because he only had the yeah. one tackle on Thursday, but it was a sack. So it's like, yeah, you like a little bit more production, but at least the plays that he is making are probably more significant than most of the things that Joe try and has done this season. And even Todd Bowles said on Monday that last game was probably the first time they didn't get the production that they wanted out of outside linebacker. And a big excuse Bowles has said in the past. And Casey Rogers said it today was that, yeah, they get rid of the ball quickly and, things of that nature, but I don't know if I totally buy that. I mean, yeah. it's the NFL and yeah, the bucks have had an overall a good pass rush. And maybe some of that is because they like to blitz more than most teams in the league. So you buy that fault. You do have to get rid of the ball quickly if you are an offense, but this is still the same defense again, back in 2019 when Shaq Barrett got over 20 sacks mm-hmm. in a season and got double digit sack sacks in 2021 and Shaq and JPP were, crushing it in 2020 so i do think as a whole the the whole pass rush especially outside linebacker really needs to pick it up because no shack is a long time veteran jts has been here long enough where it's time to either put up or shut up it's not like the defensive line where logan hall is in his second season and still developing and yes we'd all like him to develop a little bit more than he has overall in his career or Kalijah can who's played what, three games now in, in his career? Yeah, every game coming back from the bye, essentially he's played, plus the 11 snaps against the Vikings. So, yeah, Kalijah Cantu, we're not holding in the same regard as Joe Tryon, and and the rest of the group. So, I've said it for at least the last week or two now. I want to see more Yaya Diaby, but Casey Rogers yeah. did comment on both of those things. He had a very interesting thing to say about Yaya. We'll get to that in a minute. But first... Vita Vea and the sacks versus non-production from everybody else. In, in terms of the pass rush, Vita Vea leads the team. Is that a sign of, in the number of sacks, um, is that a sign of Vita just being a game disruptor week in or week out, or... Maybe not getting enough production from your outside linebackers or some other pass rushers.
3: Well, as far as sacks, we always want more. And right now, one beat is a, a tremendous, a, extremely talented player. But you know, right now with our outside linebackers, of course, we want them to win more. You know what I'm saying? But now, as we look at it, we have to look at it with right. You know, we just played a game last week, and the ball was coming out pretty fast on that. You know, so it's hard to judge them. of them, you know, you took two steps, and the ball was gone on the RPO type action that they were doing so the it it all works hand in hand and we've said it over here and we've seen it. sacks come in bunches you look around you have two this game next thing you could have eight they come in but but the thing is what we see in practice that they're steady working at it and this and that and it'll translate to the to the field
0: and then casey rogers was quite honest about yaya diaby we've said before yaya's freak of nature he's kind of an alien just by his size and what he can do and even going back to training camp we were saying that he can drop back in coverage way better than any of us thought so because of that and because of the two guys in front of him or three i guess technically with anthony nelson as well they don't exactly know what to do with yaya on the field just yet but they want him on the field at the same time i don't want to speak for casey rogers so let's just let casey rogers speak for himself
3: yeah yes um, this guy, that's the thing we're struggling with right now. Is trying to find an ideal role for him because he is getting better week in and week out. But being a young player, you don't want to overload him from the standpoint. Now you're an outside linebacker. You drop. You got to see two. Then you got to rush. Now we're gonna put you inside in the rush to to just help get you on the field. But then it becomes too much, and we, we don't want to stun him. We like pitfall his progress that he's making. So you don't want to stun him with overloading, but this guy has a bright future. So you're keeping him outside for Keeping him outside primarily, but that's the thing, that's the problem we're trying kind to of run into because you really want him on the field. Yeah. But then, you know, we're blessed to have guys that you don't want to take off the field either. So sure. that, that's a good problem.
0: Yeah, it's a good problem, but you're not getting yeah. the production at outside linebacker at the same time, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And I was looking at this comment here uh, from JB. Could Marquise Watts even get some snaps as well? That's an interesting question. So with Marquise Watts, he kind of balled out during training camp yeah. and he, he was really solid, played in the preseason, but hasn't seen, he's kind of been a game day inactive for all but one game this year. And he's another guy that, yeah, like Yaya Diaby, as he mentioned, could maybe get some more snaps, although it would mean benching somebody for a game. So I don't know.
0: Right. Uh, unfortunately, I like the idea of um, of playing Marquise Watts a little bit because, to your point, in the preseason, he was a preseason game wrecker. Again, yeah. he's going up against third and fourth string guys. I'm not going to act like he's the next TJ Watt. But he was, I said it earlier in that question to Casey Rogers talking about Vita Vea. he was disruptive in the preseason. Problem is, he has to climb over a number of guys. I mean, Cam Gill, who's been on this team for a couple of years, gets like two or three snaps a game. And Cam Gill's in there because of his speed. Now, he's probably a little bit quicker than Marquise Watts, but Watts is still very fast in his own right and is way more powerful and physical than Cam Gill could be to the point that they use Marquise Watts to mimic the, you know, the premier pass rusher of the opponent that they're going up against that week. Um, Luke Gedeke even went as far as to – go out and compliment him right before the bye week, saying that Marquise Watts set him up for, you know, going up against the the Saints pass rush and and some of the early pass rushes that they went up against this season. So I would be in favor of maybe swapping, because again, he's, he's not going to jump over JTS and he's just not going to jump over Anthony Nelson or guys like that. But maybe... You swap him out out Cam Gill. Yeah, swap him out for Cam Gill. Let him get the three or four, two or three snaps that Cam Gill gets in a game. And maybe Marquise Watts has that small little impact that, okay, he gets three snaps. Maybe the next game he gets four. And slowly, incrementally moves up the totem pole and had to take a colossal struggle from JTS or Anthony Nelson or someone like that. He's obviously not going to play over Yaya Diaby. But yeah. I, I would be I would be open to that for sure
1: and a question I want to pose to you is yeah. with the struggles in the pass rush how much of that do you think attributes to the coverage abilities of some of the de- defensive backs because Casey Rogers he mentioned Josh Allen getting out the ball really quickly I think yeah. last week it was under two and a half seconds so the pass rush doesn't have a ton of time to develop but at the same time guys are wide open it, and playing off of their wide receivers. You saw that from Gabe Davis, yeah. uh, Shakir, Stephon Diggs. So how much of that do you think there's like some give and take between the pass rush not getting to the quarterback and the corners not covering the wide receivers?
0: Yeah, I, I would blame a little bit of the scheme more than anything else because we have banged the table, banged our head against the wall, asking the Bucks to play more uptight coverage, which you have to do if you're blitzing and they don't always send the house every single time. But when you send at least two extra rushers, if the quarterback sees that, he's going to get rid of the ball quickly because when you bring those type of guys, there's going to be someone open. That's just the nature of the game, especially with the blitz. So to a degree, I blame just the overall setup and the scheme of whatever the design play call is. With that said, I mean, there are still multiple times where you know, there was that big play to Shakir. I think it was a third and long, and Josh Allen had 15 seconds to throw the ball. Yeah. That's on the pass rush. I think it's a combination of, you know, in today's NFL, you can't ask your secondary to to cover for a crazy amount of time. That's just, that's just the nature of the game. I think the pass rush could help out the overall coverage in the secondary absolutely tenfold. I don't think there's any question – about that because a little bit more of a pass rush and that ball's getting out quicker quicker and that could help with the interceptions where yes the Bucks are getting them but not exactly the way they want to. I mean Will Golston getting an interception is fantastic, but nobody in the secondary no has an interception yet this season, which is unbelievable to really think of. And Casey Rogers spoke about that as well.
3: It's more than your starting secondary that's a problem. Um, yeah. So, I, maybe it's an anomaly, but right, coverage and rushing, you know, all those things kind of work together. You have played a lot of zone. Um, Coach Bowles talked about bad eyes. Like, can you just sort of, when you look at it, like, why aren't, because you've got some talented corners and safeties, why aren't they getting closer to the football? Well, some of the things we looked at is some of the matchups, we like, we love our corners. We like to be able to put them in man all day, but from our standpoint of, when you look at it, you don't want to create a bad matchup somewhere else, so that gives us a little off kilter. And then a lot of picks come from zones, being a good zone drop. So just when right now we're a little off, would have great zone drops, poor rush. Then we'd have poor rush, a good rush, or uh, me vice versa, good coverage and poor rush. So it all works hand in hand. And, you know, we like to be a defense that mixes because we want to pressure you, pressure with zone, pressure you with man. So right now until we can get that cleaned up, we're a little off kilter.
0: And I understand Casey Rogers' comments about that uh and this is more about bowls and rogers but it's the overall ideology of well if we do this then we give up that or if we run this then we can get beat like that well you're still getting beat regardless of what you are running so why not just play to your strengths because you're not yeah. playing to your strengths you're trying to and I and understand it, it's a chess matchup and if a team is in this formation you do have to counteract it that type of way but I feel like the Bucs just don't play to their strengths on defense. And instead, that's why things get so confusing because Todd has a confusing defense. Now, when it works and everyone's on the same page, it's fantastic. But we've seen too many miscues, too many mistakes. And I don't see what Everyone's talking about how bad zone has been this season. Again, yeah. you don't have to play it every single time. But, like, why not just go man to man? I don't understand it.
1: No, I don't, and I agree with you, and it begs the question. It seems like with the Bucks' defense this year, it's just like an over-reliance on waiting for that big play and just bending and not breaking at will, like giving up 300, 400 yards a game when they could be so much better yeah. at either getting sacks or creating turnovers and just playing more aggressive. Uh, Gary has a comment here. You might have to put Zion at safety or something. That's not a bad idea, but... I mean, Zion should see the field more when you have Carlson Davis and Jamel Dean as man-to-man corners, put Zion out there as a third corner and maybe sprinkling him in playing back. He's quick enough to play safety. Mariah Neal isn't doing anyone any favors. Yeah. Just letting, letting him see a snap or two maybe.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I agree that Zion has to play some snaps because the defense is better when he's in there, but They've trained him primarily at corner, so I don't know. It'd, it'd be a little risky to put him at safety after not playing there at all. Now, if you want to move Zion into the slot and move Christian in to safety, where he they did cross-train him in the slot and at safety, uh, I would be very, very yeah. open to that. Now, Fav White says, I thought Isian had two interceptions. He does, but we're talking about like the big-name players, the guys Big that got forward. those two big contracts in jamel dean and carlton davis the guy that's about to get a huge huge contract which he absolutely deserves antoine field jr because he may not have the interceptions but he is certainly making his impact and having his imprint on every single game to the point where casey rogers said that this is the best football that he's ever been playing Week is is making play at the play is this some of the best football you've ever seen him play in his career Hands down. But the thing is,
3: since we got him as a rookie, it's the same thing. But the, the the unique thing about him, like we were just talking about, when you watch practice tape, you see exactly what you see on the game. We just finished practice and the plays you see him. I just saw him make two in practice today. He is the same guy. That's when you say he's an excellent pro because he practices hard. And what you get in practice, you're going to get in the game and you're just a true pro and a great human being.
0: Hands down. Hands down playing his best. You want to see the best of the best. And I would also say hands down. The best of the best energy drinks, of course, is Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. You see all the great flavors they have. Their newest one is the Cosmic Vibe. The Oasis Vibe is fairly new as well. You got assortment flavors. It could be the Sparkling Orange, the Peach Mango, the Sparkling Watermelon, the Strawberry Kai. Strawberry lemonade as well. And, of course, the Arctic Vibe is my personal favorite flavor of uh, all Celsius energy drinks. So, let's remember, there are no sugar, or there is no sugar in these Celsius energy drinks. There's no post-energy drink crash or jitters that you may get with another product out there. So, if you need to pick one up, if you want to pick one up, you never had one before, that's all right. Everybody learns, one way or another, that this is the best drink when it comes to energy drinks, go to the Celsius store locator, punch in your address. And it'll tell you the closest geographical location where you can pick one up. It could be at your local Walmart 7-Eleven Health and Fitness store or your bodega.
1: Bodega.
0: That was good. That was one of your better ones. Not that you're bad at it, but that was one of your better <laughs> ones. And then, of course, <clears throat> excuse me, after you keep going to your bodegas, And you enjoy them so much. We're like, I want more. I want to get them in bulk. You can get them in bulk. Great news. You can get them in bulk. That's when you go to Amazon. I'd recommend getting that variety pack because variety is the spice of life. Get all the different flavors that they have. You could send it to uh, your resident whenever you want with the subscribe and save on Amazon. It could be every week, month, quarterly, yearly. Up to you. You're in charge of it. You're the captain now. And uh, have a scent there whenever you want. So, just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast and the Peter Game Day show, which will be returning this Sunday. Make Celsius your number one
1: pick. Now, Matt, I kind of want to circle back to the topic at hand with the yep. Bucks facing their first rookie quarterback and kind of looking at Bulls' track record and facing some rookie quarterbacks since joining the Bucks. So uh, back in December, uh, Bailey Adams, he wrote an article talking about how it's been a mixed bag between facing backup quarterbacks uh, mentioned earlier, guys like Taylor Heineke and some rookie quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So last year, the Bucks were 0-3 going up against rookie quarterbacks. So you had Kenny Pickett in week six, uh, Brock Purdy later in the season, and Desmond Ritter in the season finale. And you take out those games. Todd Bowles is seven and one against rookie quarterbacks. Mm. But recently the track record isn't there. And now he's seven and four. What do you think is a reason behind that? Yeah, the Steelers game was interesting because Pickett got hurt in that game and Mitch
0: Trubisky ended it. So that changed uh, a little bit. And again, uh, I I was looking at a couple of things. One, a struggling offense. So that defense is out on the field way more than anyone would have liked. You could say that for both the Steelers game and the 49ers game. And we're talking about the Tom Brady offense as well. Yeah. And not that the offense has been any better this season with the new scheme with Dave Canals, who we'll talk about in a little bit. So the offense being unable to score touchdowns, score a lot of points and put the opponent's offense in situations where you kind of have to rely on your quarterback a little bit more. That allows them to run the football, to go at their own pace and not have to play hurry up the whole time. Scheme-wise, just so many things did not make sense. And it goes back to the pass rush, the front four not exactly being able to get home. So, therefore, you have to blitz. And when the blitzes aren't getting home, and I mean, we've criticized Devin White a ton for his play over the last few seasons. And part of that last season was blitzing and not getting to the quarterback. When the Blitzes aren't getting home and they, and they aren't working or the offense has you know, a safety valve, it could be a simple dump off to the running back or whatever it is. I think a lot of times, especially the 49ers offense where they have so many solutions for so many different things, they knew the Blitz was coming. You can get rid of the ball quickly, and then you add on top of that the tissue paper soft zone that they still continue to play this season. Um, it, it all adds up. If you give a rookie quarterback time to throw or just an open receiver, throw by throw, that builds more and more yeah. confidence. And it, it's so interesting with the, the Bucks pass rush because I don't know if it's consistent enough. It's not sustainable enough. Again, they ended up in the top 10 in sacks last season. But they kind of feast on one or two teams and then go absent for the rest of it where you'd rather have Maybe not as many feasts, but a lot more consistency with just not as
1: many famines Yeah,
0: as they've not had. Many famines, exactly. Exactly. You want just a nice, well balanced meal. Not too full. Yeah. Not starving the rest of the weeks. And I think that's really been the biggest problem with that uh with that pass rush and with that defense against rookie quarterbacks. But it's a very good uh very good question, a very good idea to examine.
1: Yeah. And uh, just kind of building off of that. So the rest of the, the season schedule, the three most experienced quarterbacks by game started, the Bucks are going to face. You have Derek Carr, obviously. Then it's Trevor Lawrence with 42 starts and Gardner Minshew with yeah. 40 starts for the Colts. So kind of just branching off that idea of facing rookie quarterbacks, there's just so many unproven quarterbacks that the Bucs have on the schedule. And there's a lot of opportunities to feast or simply just play well enough to keep the, the team in some ballgames.
0: Exactly. And I don't want to be super critical of the Bucks' defense because outside no. of the Bills, I mean, they've still been great this season. At the end of yeah. the day, you know, like the Bucks don't rank very well in yards allowed per game on defense, but who really cares? Because they're in the top five in points allowed. And when you're keeping teams off the board, when you're holding teams to field goals, you're going to keep yourself in the game time in and time out. And I have no doubts that they'll at least be able to do that over the next two weeks against the Texans and the Titans. Uh, With all that said, they have to make sure that they keep every single quarterback under wraps. And I think they're actually playing Tennessee at a great time because there's going to be a little bit more tape on Will Levis. And quite frankly, (laughs) I think it's going to be tough sledding for him tonight against the Steelers.
1: defense that
0: i think is great now with that said the texans did handle the steelers quite well earlier on um in the season but i think having a little bit more tape on will levis will help todd bowles a ton i mean jordan love has looked terrible no offense um none taken (laughs) the saints one is quite interesting because i i think the saints offense is going to turn it around at some point they're going through some growing pains right now just like the uh just like the Bucs are. And then Carolina, you know, you get them much later into the season. I mean, their first matchup against them is week 13. So it can't get much worse for Carolina. I'm not saying that Bryce Young's going to come in and throw for 355 yards and, and four touchdowns. But you'd almost yeah. rather play them earlier in the season, which the rest of the NFC South opponents have done. So overall it's still very very favorable but there's a lot of opportunities for the other quarterbacks to to grow and and figure themselves out figure their teams out and make those adjustments by the time that they play against the bucks but with all that said i i'd still take the Bucs in a majority of those matchups so yeah we'll we'll see but it's definitely
1: definitely a storyline for the rest of the season yeah yeah exactly and you talk about growth and adjustment that was kind of again uh, what Dave Canales iterated today. Um, I know you have some clips saved uh, from his press conference. What were your big takeaways besides a tush push from yeah. Dave Canales?
0: <laughs> yeah. So Canales went in a number of directions as he typically does. Uh, he talked about the run game again and kind of volunteered to start talking about the run game. And I think it's, it's easy to criticize the bucks run game against the bills and just the lack of big plays, but then you also have to remember that Rashad White had a big run called back, and Mike Evans had a 40-yard passing play called back. So Can talked a lot about he talked a ton about penalties. Half these videos are about the penalties, yeah. how they're just, you know, unforgivable. But he talked about even the penalties that they're committing, the holding penalties. Their effort penalties, which I don't know if you want to encourage that, but you're encouraging the team to play hard. And even though there's been a lot of struggles for this unit, they are at least still going hard, still going tough. Nobody's pointing the fingers at each other. And maybe the run game is slightly heading in the right direction.
2: Yeah, we took advantage of some of that, just kind of continuing to look at the run game first. Um, you know, some of the improvements that we saw in the game was just the, the intensity and attitude. And I think that comes from the, the familiarity and the comfort in the system and the schemes that were running. Um And so I saw guys really getting after it, aggressive plays, even trace holding call on an explosive run, which are so hard to come by these days. It was an effort penalty. He's driving the guy into the ground on an aggressive block twice this year. So we just got to get better. knowing to let our hands go. He's dominating the play. but. Um, I saw some more physical play, so that was a positive. And again, the efficiency was not there. Um, I think we were like in the 30s or 30 some odd percent efficiency. So we still got to continue to improve um, in that regard. But yeah, uh, using that time, looking at the run game, um, looking at the pass game, things that they're trying to do to Mike, um, things they're trying to do to Baker to make him uncomfortable you know, and and really try to help them out. And, And at this point now, we're starting to hone in really on what we're good at in the pass game. And then he
0: fully admitted, he's like, I couldn't even call half my plays because the penalty screwed us up so, so much.
2: On Thursday night, I think we put ourselves in horrible situations with penalties that didn't allow us to get more runs called, to get more of our cool play actions and screens called, all the things that were left on my call sheet. You know, that was a struggle just being in second and 18, being in first and 15 and you're trying to get half back. Um, it makes it harder to just say, man, I'm going to just keep leaning on this run. So that's where I had to mix it. But I think that our attitude and mentality, the effort part is heading in the right direction. The combos, the backs are more patient in hitting them. You know, we weren't perfect on our reads by any, mean, any means, but I think that we're heading in the right direction for sure.
0: Before we talk any further about Dave Canales, I want to remind everybody that if you get a bet on the Bucs game or really any game, it could be tonight's. it could be different sports. Best place to go and bet on it is mybookie.ag. Use that promo code pewter, that's P-E-W-T-E-R, and get a first deposit bonus all the way up to $200 and as little as $45. You're getting free money in your account. Even if you learn from Plant City Math, you know that that is a heck of a deal. It's fun to do some parlays, maybe bet some college football, whatever sport that you're into. Add a little more spice into the game with MyBookie.ag. Use that promo code Pewter. That's P-E-W-T-E-R. Also, check out their online casino. I know going to the casino is fun. You can have the fun right at the touch of your phone, your laptop, whatever device you want to use. They got all the games, blackjack, different cards, roulette, all that fun stuff. So promo code Pewter. Get a first deposit bonus at MyBookie.ag. Don't forget to check out my show coming out tomorrow, Pewter Picks and Props. Where I make
1: Maddie Diamonds. Yeah, Maddie
0: Diamonds wanting some money again. If you tail my picks, I pick the uh, the over/under and the spread for every Bucks game. So that's at least two picks right there. I pick spreads uh, around the NFL. I usually try to make five NFL picks, so it comes out to seven total when you include the Bucks as well. And then I do player props as well, which you can use on underdog fantasy or different uh, gambling sites that you use too. my record. It's pretty damn good. I'll tell you guys the record again on the show tomorrow, but make sure you check out pure picks and props. And getting back to the Bucks' offense going up against uh, the Houston Texans. Um, another thing that's really been a big topic of discussion this week, Adam, is the lack of up-tempo yeah. production or just using up-tempo at all for the Bucks' offense. Are you in favor of seeing more of that this week? Or where do you fall on that line?
1: I think before that, they have to get the pre-snap penalties figured out first. Yeah, With every big play seemingly, you're kind of waiting for that yellow flag to fly. They have to get that ironed out first. And then I think in a few weeks down the road, maybe when they face a team, I don't know, maybe like the 49ers, where if the game gets out of like a touchdown or two behind early, You start going up-tempo and just seeing if that would work. But they have to fix the little issues before trying something like that. Because last season, with an experienced quarterback, it wasn't an issue. But I feel like this year with the new play caller, there's just been more penalties than usual.
0: And Canales also took a lot of the blame. He personally gave himself the blame um, about the lack of going up-tempo. Partially because maybe cuz it was a short week but the noise actually played a factor where he said we turned the volume up a ton four games against the vikings and the saints they didn't really do it with the bills and he think that really played a factor so he made sure that they they up the music during practice this
3: week a lot of them on the offensive line so what else is there to do unless you change personnel at this point i mean
2: yeah i mean i just i just i got to go to me first and just ask myself like what am i doing what indecision, what hesitancy, you know, angst at the snap am I creating with what we're asking them to do? Um, I know that we can't be as simple as not have alerts on plays. Um, there's just there's ways to take advantage of the defense. That's part of the growing pains. Um, this was a problem for us in Seattle, I'll be honest. You know, just over time, we got better at it. The quarterback in the center owning the snap, you know, and then just the discipline of the play by the tackles. We just we got to have discipline out there, and so you know we really attacked it head on this week. Um, we may have put the noise as loud as we could. Um, put it on plays that get alerted. There's different things that happen so that they had to sit there, can't hear. Let's let's verbally, non-verbally communicate. So we try to put them in in pretty difficult situations. We were great in Minnesota. We were great in New Orleans, two of the loudest places you can play in. This one got us. So I don't know if it was the short week not having the noise a part of our walkthroughs early on, Um, but again, that's on me. I got to ask for those things. So. I, I definitely, I know I can take my part of it, but but the players also have to take that part of, let's let's move forward, let's make new mistakes. Is it an alert that they're listening for and, and hearing a sound and thinking that that's a snap? Could exactly explain kind of how that to... I really don't know. All I know is that anytime you change from one play to another, their brains have to click to something new, mm-hmm. and then that does just create a little bit of indecision and all that. And so it's something that... that that you have to get comfortable being in those uncomfortable spots um, and then work together that way. So. Yeah,
0: we'll see how the offensive line shapes out this week. It does look like that uh, Aaron Stinney is going to play again. I mean, Matt Feiler hasn't practiced at all this week. He has a brace on his knee and, and uh, a sleeve on his leg as well. So, yeah, it'll be important. Like the Texans have kind of been a one-man show with um with their passers. Obviously, they got Will Anderson from uh, Alabama, but it's been uh Jonathan Greenard that's really been kind of leading the way with getting to the quarterback. He leads the team, I want to say, with six sacks. So yep. it'll be important for Tampa Bay to make sure that they stop him on sunday um i did want to talk about the screen game as well too because last year hated the screen game this year they're actually getting diverse with it and actually throwing screens to the running backs and rashad white has clearly separated himself as the third weapon the third option for the uh for the bucks on offense before we get to that video from dave canales we got a super chat from meets mcgee and you know the rule if you super chat us you cut the line and we get immediately to your question, or as immediately as we can. Uh thanks to Meets McGee for the super chat who says the Bucks has had its share of stubborn coaches. It looks like Bowles is the latest. I'm not talking about replacing him, but does he listen to his staff and players about the issues on this team? Yeah, that's a really good question. That's a good question. Um, he that he doesn't look it when he's up at the podium, but I think he is a players coach. You see some of the videos after games uh, when he addresses the team. Granted, they're after wins and everyone's in a good mood. Uh, But we've heard from other players, including Will Golston and Levante David and Devin White, about how much Todd Bowles has meant to them. Will Golston famously said a year or two ago that he's the type of coach that you want to run through a brick wall for. Devin White has called him, uh, you know, a second father figure in his life. So, Todd Bowles has good communications and good relations with uh with the players on his team. Now, in terms of implementing new stuff and and making adjustments, that's an area of um of concern a little bit. I mean, we can go back to last season where they took way too long to switch out Luke Gedicke for Nick Leverett, and they kind of only did it because Gedicke got injured. You can kind of say the same thing right now with Ryan Neal at safety, maybe putting Dee Delaney in there. You could say it about certain tendencies on offense or the fact that they didn't call to go up-tempo in that game against the Buffalo Bills. So there is a little bit of stubbornness. I think at times you do have to have patience of you can't just, the first time something doesn't work, say, all right, screw it, let's scrap it, we're done. Yeah. Uh, but the, I think the Bucks are a little bit too much on the other side of the pendulum when it comes to – identifying what works, what doesn't work, and then moving on in certain situations, which makes it better for them.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with both points you made. And you mentioned the Will Golston story. Uh, what sticks yeah. out to me is earlier in training camp, there was, I forget which defensive back said it, but he mentioned sitting down in Todd Bowles, uh, like office with all the other guys like Carlton Davis, Antoine Winfield, yeah. Jamel Dean, and just sitting there chopping it up, talking film, and like, I don't know, just being more casual and like being open with ideas. And I feel like there's a difference between the bulls you see at the podium and yeah. the bulls you see in the locker room. I mean, when he gives off the big, yeah, compared yeah. to having his hands crossed on the sideline. So I think he definitely listens to his players, as you mentioned with with the staff. There are other questions, but at the same time, Dave Canales, he has full control of this offense bulls. He's letting him run the show. Yeah. And on defense, there's questions, but Bulls, he's been managing the defense to pleasant results. Uh, they've been really stingy and allowing points on the board. Yep. So Bulls, I, as a head coach, you have to be stubborn. But at the same time, I feel like he's giving enough control to the players and the coaches when needed.
0: Yeah, and he even famously said a couple of weeks ago, he's like, listen, I'm not going to stand over the shoulder of Dave Canales. I'm not going to hold his hand. Like Be big brother. Yeah, and, yeah, that's what it was. And Be big brother. He's going to call the offense. Todd's going to call the defense and and make the decisions in terms of game management in certain situations. And he said, if there's something that I need to talk to Dave Canales about, I will. And we'll talk about that. Like whether to go for it on fourth down and things of that nature. Uh, But those are in game decisions. Now, can Todd get better at those in game decisions? Yeah, absolutely. But um, he definitely listens to the players. Some of his moves you wish went a little bit better. Let's play this last video, though, of Dave Knauss, Um talking about the screens and getting Rashad White out in space. And then talks a little bit about Aaron Stinney going in at left guard and replacement of Matt Filer and the job that he did.
2: Absolutely, right? Screens are a huge part of it, um, whether it's wide screens, drop-back screens, play-action screens, some of those things. I mean, we talked about this before. Rashad is really good in space, uh, knows how to set up and make that first tackler miss. And so it, it really needs to continue to be a part of what we're doing um, to supplement it as we get the run game going.
0: Just curious what your thoughts were of uh, how Aaron Stinney played filling in, especially on some of those screenplays, being able to move down the field.
2: Oh, he played great. Yeah, he had some good um, couple of runs where he really moved some people, had some power. Um, you know, pass pro, he was his first, first shot really in there since the preseason to go against some guys and did pretty good. Um, he's got room for improvement there, but um, love seeing his athleticism, length, and power in the run game. So that was really cool.
0: Yeah, it's, it seemed like they got a little something-something with Aaron Stinney in there. Just a, a, a bit more athletic than Matt Filer, and we'll find out how, um, how that'll work and how that may help this week against the Houston Texans. Uh, we'll talk about the injury report. It just dropped a couple of minutes ago uh, in just a moment. First, let's talk about our friends over at Amuni
2: Financial. At Amuni Financial, we help you live in the now.
3: You Congratulations. You We're so
2: happy Thank for you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating
3: you? Oh, just fantastic.
2: I know I
1: say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah.
2: We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead, stay ahead.
0: That's right. Immunity Financial has proudly been serving clients across the country since 1980. They can help you with a number of uh, different financial situations, whether it's legacy and retirement planning, annuities, or sales and trading, or if you want to set up a college account for your child, if they plan on going to college, they have offices all across the United States. So not just in Tampa, you can be in Kansas, you can be in Oklahoma, shout out Baker Mayfield. Really, uh, anywhere you know, you can be in Vermont for uh, for all you know. So, give Immuni Financial a call. Get a free consultation. It's absolutely free, so it doesn't hurt to give them a call. Over at Immuni Financial. All right, the injury report that just dropped. Uh, relatively similar. Um, everyone was the same as yesterday, with the exception of Tristan Wirfs, who went from uh, limited in practice yesterday to a full participant today. Um, so everyone else on the list, Matt Filer, knee, didn't practice. Logan Hall, groin, didn't practice. Coach Keith was limited with that ankle. Baker, knee, full. Kayvon Merriweather, ankle, limited. And Vita Veya fully participated again as he deals with a groin injury. The Texans, um, I'll go pretty fast with this one because it's a long, long list. <laughs> Blake Cashman, full. George Font, full. Kadar, Kadar Holman, full. Titus Howard, full. That's important. Josh Jones, full. Brevin Jordan did not participate. Denzel Perryman, full. Damian Pierce did not participate. That's another one to pay attention mm-hmm. to as he deals with an ankle injury. Sheldon Rankins, limited. Tavier Thomas, full. Laramie Tunsell limited with a knee injury. Oh. And Robert Woods, foot, did not participate. Does not look like foot will play in this game based on other reports so
1: some key pieces on the offense though for them
0: yeah exactly and obviously that plays in favor to the uh to the buccaneers and even i mean damian pierce even though the run game hasn't been great for the texans i thoroughly enjoy just watching him play he was a great interview at the senior bowl a season ago um he's just one of those guys that you want to see play well just uh from previous previous viewings uh, of him so would be really cool to see him participate uh, where the Bucs can stop him, and then he could play well the rest of the season. It would also be really cool if you guys joined us for the Pewter Game Day show coming up this Sunday. It returns. We do it for every single game where we do a pregame show right on our YouTube channel an hour before the game. So with this being a 1 o'clock kickoff, it will be um, starting at noon it'll be myself and scott reynolds on the pewter pregame show or me and someone from pewter report um, and then i'll be on live for the pewter game day show once kickoff gets going so you don't have to change that dial at all you can tune in still on our youtube channel i give my reactions and analysis and my opinions on everything going on in the bucks games and even when the bucks don't play well it's still super fun just interacting with all the great pewter people with different comments and questions. And, uh, you know, we can point out some good things. We'll point out some bad things, but you know, it's, it's a really fun time. And, you know, we want you guys to watch the bucks game and then get my reaction to it after, whether it's a big play or a bad play or whatever it is. So, um, that will start at noon for the pregame show. And then at one o'clock at kickoff, it'll be the pewter game day show with uh, my reactions, analysis, and everything else in between. And then, of course, we have the Peter Post game show after the Bucks texans game, where we talk about everything that went on in the game. So, should be a lot of fun. As uh, Barry Moore says, Visiting from Australia, just had my first Celsius tropical vibe. That is so awesome, in Barry. That thumbs up. Yeah, love absolutely hearing that, which is uh, great. And Richard Taroka says, bought my first Cosmic Vibe. Hard to find out here in L.A. Richard, hope you enjoyed that Celsius Cosmic Vibe. Of course, the Peter Game Day show is brought to you by Celsius. So that's going to do it for us on today's show. Just one more quick reminder. If you're not already doing so, please follow us on all of our social media, on X, Facebook, Threads, and Instagram. We are at Peter Report. Then, of course, our YouTube channel is Peter Report TV, where we have the Peter Report podcast four times a week, the Peter Game Day show, we have a lot of clips up from practice and press conferences and Peter picks and props and the Peter Pulse and everything else in between with our content. So please like and subscribe, hit that like button and and comment on this video as well. It really helps grow our audience of our YouTube channel at Peter Report TV. But that is our last episode of the work week. Of course, we'll have the Peter Game Day show and the Peter post game go Coming up on Sunday for Bucks versus Texans in a game that the Bucks really do need. Yeah. Coming up this weekend. So that'll do it for us today, this afternoon, for Adam Slavon. I'm Matt Matera saying, thank you so much, everybody, for watching. We'd love you, Peter people. And we'll see you on Sunday for another edition of the Peter Report Podcast. Have a great weekend. Peace out. Out.